This is the man, the first thing that he did when he became king, he did something that Saul never did. Saul thought about one time going to get the ark, but didn't do it. But the very first thing David did, the very first order of business under the rule of David as the sovereign of Israel, he went and got the ark. I mean, this is a man that knew what the presence of God meant to Israel. This man knew what worship was about. You know, they messed up. They got that cart and people died. Man, when he got to the city limits of Jerusalem, he thought, man, the Lord's home. And here the great soldier became the great singer. And he had taught them how to fight. Now he's about to teach them how to worship. And man, I believe just as soon as he came through the city limits of Jerusalem, he began to rejoice that the presence of God was in its rightful place. His wife up there, Saul's daughter, but she rebuked him. He said, man, in good old uh, mountain language, he said, honey, you ain't seen anything yet. I'll be the more vile tomorrow. Amen. Amen. He'd sit on the backside of the Judean hillside with a harp. Just him and God stroked that heart and sung to the Lord. So when that man says his spirit is overwhelmed, amen. I guess I tore up with a lot of these new songs. All they want to talk about is burdens and difficulties and struggles. I mean, God help, man. The people say, well, being a Christian's hard. No, the way the transgressor's hard. Amen. Amen. My worst day saved is better than my best day lost. Amen. You say why? Because at the end of the worst day saved, I'll be in the presence of God if I die. But if I died on my best day lost, I'd be in hell. Amen. So in the greatest singer, the greatest son, the greatest shepherd, the greatest soldier said, my heart's overwhelmed. Would it not mean something to us, Brother Isaac, that if that caliber of a man can be overwhelmed, you and I could be overwhelmed? How about four verses after Elijah just prayed, just closes a chapter. He's just prayed 63 words, called the fire of God out of heaven. Down on there, took those 450 prophets of Baal down the brook and killed them. And four verses later, he said, Lord, I'm ready to die. Anybody else prayed the fire out of heaven? Well, I'll be real careful before you give Elijah a hard time. I mean, man, had you ever looked at a widow and said, man, I tell you, if you'll do what the Bible said or if you'll do what the Word of God said, you'll put your hand in that barrel and it'll never fail. Have you ever done that? You say, how many days was it? Well, the Bible said James, it rained not for the space of three and a half years. 
and writers tell me that uh, writers tell me that she uh, that probably he had been down at the brook uh, Cherith for about a year. So it sounds like to me for about two and a half years that barrel didn't dry up. You ever looked and said that you'll just do what I do what the word what the Lord said to do? Man, he's gonna take care of you. I don't believe that barrel was full. I don't believe it was running over every day. I believe on the first day she went out there, the message was this. She put her hand in the bottom of that barrel and there was meal in the bottom of the barrel. And what she turned around, looked at her boy and said, God is faithful. And on the second day, she put her hand in that barrel and the message was the same. God is faithful. And on the fifth day and the tenth day and the fiftieth day and the hundredth day and the two hundred day and the three hundred day and the 400 all the way up to 900 days the message was God is faithful you ever told anybody that you ever took a dead boy to the loft hello I'm talking about the one who's so distraught that he's ready for God to take his life I'm glad we've got an honest Bible because if we didn't have an honest Bible, Genesis 16 wouldn't be in your Bible. The story I'm telling you in 1 Kings would not be in your Bible. You wouldn't read that John the Baptist doubted who he was. The one that stood there and said, Behold, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world is in jail. Sent him down there. He said, Man, go make sure he's the one. Hello? Amen? I mean, man, I, I've got a, I've been in school a long time. I got a finance degree, then I got my minister degrees. You realize I, I never, I never had a class on how to pastor the pandemic. I think I'll get my money back. I never had a class in Resurrection 101. Here's what you do when their children die. You take them up to the bed and lay on them and pray and God will breathe life into them. You know what? Elijah hadn't had that class either because nobody else in the word of God had been risen from the dead up until that point. He must have knew something about God breathing the breath of life into Adam's nostrils in the garden because when that boy had died, he took him to the law, laid on him and prayed and walked back downstairs with a boy that was breathing and alive. Anybody, I mean, some of you men of God been preaching longer than me. You ever rose him, you ever went up there and put somebody in the bed, the bed that you're living in, lay on them and pray and God resurrect them? So don't give Elijah a real hard time. Huh? You ever been fed by the ravens in the morning, bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening? Hello? What I'm trying to say is, even the greatest find themselves in seasons like that. What did he say? He said, Lord, hear my cry. Did you hear what Brother Watson said? He said, I was whispering to the Lord. Oh, God. It might have been a whisper to him. That sure must have rang in the portals of glory. 
Because somehow, some way, that little whisper from the heart, probably not even from the lips, but the heart of the child of God, has somehow stirred heaven enough to change the heart of a man and change the whole trajectory over a situation. Psalmist said, David said, hear my cry. He said, Lord, would you please hear me? What about that? We all like to dive in there and get some nuggets ain't nobody seen. Then when you realize you finally get a good book somewhere and you realize somebody saw it. <laughs> oh no, brother baby, we try to dig in there and get all that and we realize there ain't nothing new under the sun. Somebody's preaching somewhere. And if it's new, it ain't true. <laughs> Everybody okay? Amen. Boy, aren't you glad when you get in there and your mind can't even turn right. You can't even think straight because you're so distressed. You can say things like this. Oh, God. And you don't get any much further than that. Oh, God. Oh, God. Here he is, a man that can kill a giant. Let me just say this to you. Just because you're not overwhelmed what somebody else is overwhelmed with doesn't mean you're a better Christian. It doesn't mean you're a better preacher. Because just hold on. What overwhelms them may not overwhelm you. But what overwhelms you may not overwhelm him. I don't even see David getting nervous about Goliath. I didn't see him get nervous about that lion or that bear. He slapped that lion, slapped him, smote him. I guess it took him by the beard and smacked the devil out of him. Amen. I didn't see him get nervous. I didn't see him pray. But when he was coming back home from being run out of town by his own boy, and his boy was in a pit over there with a bunch of rocks on him. He was overwhelmed now. And can I, can I get a witness from some preachers? There's sometimes it just, it just hits you at the right time. And any other time you'd have been fine to march on through that. But man, because you're taking a hit here and a hit there and a hit here and a hit there. All of a sudden something you could have walked through with no issues has now broke you down to your knees. He said, Lord, hear me. Somebody said that prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. Come here, sweetheart. Will you help, Brother Mark? Will you help me for just a minute? Just, here, I need about five. Come here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it'll be worth your time. I promise you. She don't, I don't want to upset her. I need me a little feller. Come here, my middle man in that, in that orange jacket. Come here. I need, about, I need about 10 of you men to give me a dollar. I'm for real. I ain't lying. Give me a dollar. And I'm not going to give it back to you. Come over here to help me. But you, somebody, somebody got one. Look there. There's seven, eight. I need two more. Nine. Help me right there. Y'all. 
I want these young ones to know that serving God pays. Praise God. Amen. Put that in your pocket. That's for helping the preacher. He don't look like much to be scared of, does he? And you might be messing with him and you think you're a big man and you don't have anything to worry about. But if he got to calling on somebody bigger than him, and he got to leaning on somebody a little stronger than him, and he got to looking at me saying, would you help me? That's too big for me to handle. Could you, could you help me? It might be that I might just step between him and you. And then you might have something to worry about. Are you listening? Can I tell you that's what prayer is? When I go to him and I call, my weakness in my flesh, my lack of strength, my lack of faith, my lack of ability is now leaning on the one who created. I mean, he stepped out on the platform of nowhere and created everything out of nothing. And that's the one that's at my fingertips. That's what prayer is. And you may feel like I'm about to go down. But there might come a hand from another world. I promise you this, my two little boys, my boys are 21 and 19. And they were scared when they were small. If they'd have had any sense, they'd have ran to their mother. Because a five foot two redhead is everything you think it is or you've ever heard it is. Y'all okay? But Justin, you don't say amen. Yours is expecting a child. Hormones. You want to live till Jesus comes and see that baby. Don't say amen. He'd have, she'd have ate their lunch. But there was something about them boys that thought if I can just get to my daddy, I'm all right. I'll never forget when I was about 11 or 12 years old, we went to a Georgia, Georgia Tech football game. Daddy had taken, we were going to the restroom, and these two drunk men came busting through the line, knocked me away from my dad. Hands off. Thank you, buddy. Well, no, stay right here, Delta. You can get in a second offering. They knocked me away, Brother Randy, for my dad, and I got caught in between. And that one man was about to hit that other man. If he had thrown a punch, he'd have hit me. And I'll never forget, I was separated from my dad by a wrought iron rail. And I looked at him. I didn't have to say anything. I just looked at him. He could see I was scared to death. He grabbed that man by the shoulder. And Miss Helen knows my dad, Miss... Miss Helena, Miss Kim, all of them, they know my dad, Miss Joyce. When dad meant business, he meant business. As a Church of Christ man, he came ridiculed and mocked Brother Edgar while he was preaching. And daddy stood up in the middle of the church and said, Brother Edgar, if you'll let me take him outside, he won't mock you anymore. That's the truth. That's the truth. He said, he might, he told you, he said if you'll let me and Eddie Scoggins take him outside, he won't ever come back in here and mess with you again. And I promise you, my, my daddy meant what he said. He grabbed that man by the shoulder. He said, man, he said, sir, he said, if you hit that boy, he said, if you hit that boy, I'll kill you. You said, well, he shouldn't have said that. I'm glad he did. <laughs> and there was no quiver in his voice. Now, I'm not trying to be, I'm telling you, I've stood there, I watched it. And he reached over there 
across that wrought iron gate. Put your, put your arms up like that right there. He reached over and got me by the shoulder and just sent me down. And I was looking at that guy like, yeah, hit me now, man. My daddy, I'll beat the fire out of you. Amen. I didn't even put it into words. I just looked his direction and he could tell I was heartbroken and scared. And then all of a sudden, a hand out of nowhere reached over there and got me up and picked me up out of danger. No wonder David said, hear my cry. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, my man. Thank you. He said, from the end of the earth will I cry. David was in Mahanaim when he was praying this. He went at the end of the earth, but he was as far as he could be away from the house of God and still be in Israel. You ever been there, preacher? You ever been there, Christian? Where it seemed like you were at the end of the world. He said, Lord, I don't need you just to hear me. I need you to help me. That's what he was talking about praying. Lord, this is it. Might have been something like, Lord, this is if you don't do something, this is over. I remember walking out of that men's meeting that night. Man, that's been going on for about three months. I walked out of that men's meeting. Man, I was preaching through the book of Psalms. Still am. 14 years later. I'm not built for speed. Brother Randy, I left that men's meeting. I went in my office and shut my door behind me. And Brother Bailey, I literally laid across my desk. And this is what I said to the Lord. I said, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm about to die. Brother Whitmore, you've been hearing me preach a long time. You ain't never heard me talk about this. Brother Doug, Miss Robin came right after this time. Never have... You've been hearing me a long time, Brother Fannin, you never heard me talk about it. But I laid across that desk and I said, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to die. And Brother Hewitt, somewhere between, my, somewhere between my door and the front door of the church, I walked out, walked around, walked up there, there's cars in there that ain't never been there before, never heard me preach, but they're going to come vote me out. But somewhere between that basement door and that front door, Somebody crawled up in my soul like I never felt before. The text I was in, I didn't have to go look for any text where I just, just so happened to be. It was in the Psalms where it said, the horse and mule have no understanding and their mouth must be held in by a bit and a bridle. I didn't go look for a text, that's where we were. I didn't go pick a text, that was God put us in that text. And I told him, I said, well, I came three years ago preaching. And if tonight's my last night, I'm going to leave preaching. Say, so what'd you preach? I preached on the bit and the bridle. And I'd been the pastor of our young, young families up until that point. But them senior saints knew this battle was coming. And probably could have not gone through any other kind of storm or season that would have let them see me as their pastor than this battle. When I walked out of that church that night, I wasn't just the pastor of the young people, but I was the pastor of the senior saints. 
looking for the, we didn't have a nine-week meeting or a ten-week meeting. God let us have revival for ten years. Amen. You see, what did he do? I said, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to die. And I just didn't know how long he was going to help me. <laughs> but he did. And he said, Lord, lead me to that rock. Everybody, I'm, I'm about done. I'm going to quit just saying. Lead me to that rock that's higher than I. But Chad, the way that's written to me, it seems like it indicates that David couldn't get there by himself. Because if David could have got there, he wouldn't have asked the Lord to take him there. But it was almost like he could get to where he needed to get me. But there was one last step that he couldn't get there. He said, Lord, I need you to lead me to a rock that's higher than I. Can I tell you, child of God, you may be in that place where your eye is, but there is a rock higher than you are. There's a rock above the waves. There's a rock above the winds. You say, you read that. No, I've lived that. And Brother Watson's lived that. And Brother Bailey's lived that. And if you've been in a minute, Brother Whittemore's lived that. I mean, man, you think in the latter days of a preacher's ministry, it would be the best days, the glory days, but probably the darkest storm you ever walked in. Uh, man, the darkest nights you ever saw. It was not as a young preacher. It was not as a middle-aged preacher, but it was in the uh, golden years of your ministry. But I believe you can stand and testify tonight that there was a rock where the waves couldn't get you, and there was a rock where the winds couldn't blow, and there was a rock that didn't shift Beneath you, I'm glad, child of God, I can tell you. Uh, you say, who's the rock? Uh, uh, the Bible said that rock is Christ. Uh, I'm telling you, all of the ground is seeking sand. Uh, uh, but my hope is built uh, on nothing less uh, than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. You may be like David. You're close, but you're just not there. Maybe in this meeting or in the weeks to come, he'll just come get you and he'll just pick you up. Psalm 40 said he set his feet on a rock, didn't he? If he said it one time, he can set them again. Amen. Look at that. Look at your Bible real quick. I'm about done. Miss Kim, come back. Well, don't you enjoy that singing? Man, that's a blessing. I see a great band of angels. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, Lord, hide me. He'll hide you. Look at that verse 3. That's Psalm 61. And if you think I was going to preach this, you can get up there and look at that iPad, it's in Exodus 3. I was going to preach on we're standing on holy ground. They're preaching on in double calls. One thing about it, you start reading from Genesis Revelation, there's one thing about it, you find out he's trying to get man's attention. He's interested in our life. He's got some strong interest in our life. He's got some sovereign interventions in our life. He's got some sacred intentions in our life. Amen. Amen. But look at that verse 3, Brother Randy. 
He said, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Now look at that. Let's look real close at those words. Thou hast been. Brother Bailey, best I can tell, and Brother Samuel, we believe in that King James. Boy, I like that good looking Allen Bible. For thou hast been a shelter. He didn't say you are a shelter. He said you have been a shelter. But Justin, there's sometimes when we're in the middle of things, even the best of us try to do our very best. Can't always see where he's at. We can't always understand what he's doing. David's not shouting about the fact that he is a strong tower. He's shouting about the fact that he has been a strong tower. Can I tell you what David must have turned around and looked about? He said, man, you got me out of the bear's mouth. You got me out of the lion's mouth. You delivered me out of, listen, the Philistines time and time and time again. And he might have been said, Lord, I don't know where you are right now. I don't know how you're going to work this thing out. Oh, but Lord, if you've been God, you are God and you will be God. I'm telling you, it'd be a, you say, preacher, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I know, but I know who's going to turn out. Amen. He will be faithful to you. And if he's ever been faithful, if he's ever stood with you, he will stand with you again. So maybe instead of trying to figure out where he's at right now, you might just take a moment and look back and say, well, he was there and he was there and then he was there. And then you might, Brother Randy, we might all quote that verse to ourselves that I am the Lord and I change not. And if he said, as we are there and as we are there and as we are there and if I change not, it must mean I'm with you now. That's right. It was a glad day of my life because I'm a feeler. I like to feel. I know that's how I am. Everybody all right? There's some men, man, it don't matter if they're up or down. They're just like robots. God just winds them up and cuts them loose. They're like a tornado. That's not me. I want to sense it in my spirit. I mean, I'm just telling you how I am. I don't, may not know about you, but I know who I am. And I want to feel it. I want to experience the goodness of God. And it's a glad day in my life when the Lord finally taught me he was there, whether I could feel him, see him, or hear him, he was there. Amen. Maybe you are one of those Uriahs. Maybe you're a young preacher. Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a missionary. Maybe you're an evangelist. And you feel like you're at the battle and nobody's with you. And you're taking a shot. You take another shot. And nobody's running to your rescue. Well, you might just want to say, Lord, would you lead me to a rock that's higher than I? It's almost an admission that we can't do it. 
but it's a statement of faith that he can. So I wonder tonight, that's not what I came intending to say, but I didn't come not intending to say it either. Boy, God was just speaking clearly and strongly while Brother Watson was preaching. And I thought, man, I'd have missed it if I'd have just rushed past that. And I'm not adding to his message. I couldn't add to that. That was God-given. But I'd say this, if you are a Uriah, and you are a David, Uriah has died. Nobody's around him. Don't you know probably the hardest thing would have been for him to be smitten and be down and looking for all those that were thought it was his friends and they're not there? You know, he'd be letting her think, where'd they go? I wouldn't let them die like this. Why are they letting me die? Because you know good and well if he wouldn't go to his wife's house, he sure wasn't going to let one of his comrades die. If he'd fight with them, you know he'd fight for them. And maybe you feel like you're laying there watching, nobody's there. It might just be that the Lord might just come pick you up tonight and sit you up there on that rock. You say, how long will I need to stay? That's up to him. You may need to stay for some days, some weeks. It may, it may take months. What we better figure out, God's not in a hurry. He'll take your whole life to make out of you what he wants you to be. We, we're worried about time. The Lord's word about timing. Time means nothing to him. Time means everything to him. And what you want done today, he may take a while because he might be doing something in you that he can do no other way. He did some things in maybe that three-month period. I don't want to go through it again, Brother Caleb. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'd probably run from it today if I could. But he did some things in my heart in those three months. i just be honest with you, Brother Chad, he grew me up in the ministry. Not that I'm grown, by no means. I'm still growing. Swelling right now, but I'm, I'm growing. But he did some things in me. He did some things in our church in that, in that season that we've never got over. Miss Kim's going to sing. Come on, kids. Y'all come sing with her. And I don't know. You See, our problem is, is our pride. We, we don't want folks to know that we hurt. But you better believe Brother Watson is right. Your eyes die also. You ought to thank God that a preacher, he don't operate just on, man, if it's good, but he gets in that pulpit and faithfully declares the word of God to you, whether he's feeling it or whether he don't. Amen. Thank God for faithfulness. I guess that's why the Lord said, be instant in season, out of season, reprove the Lord. All long suffering. In season. There's sometimes it's out of season. Preachers hurt, preachers' wives hurt, deacons hurt, deacons' wives hurt. Christians hurt. We're too proud. We don't want to see, we don't want people to see that we can let me tell you something, I put my britches on the same way you do, sir. And I might go, I might go for a while and then not bother. 
You know, I'll just be honest with you. Watch, I like other preachers to like me. Y'all all right? I mean, I'm not out there trying to be somebody's enemy. I won't stand for truth and stand for right. But sometimes it just takes shots. And then a hand of God will come and put you up on a rock that's higher than I am. You say, well, my preacher don't need, my people don't need to see that I heard them. They might need to see that you heard them. I, I told Brother Buster Seaton one night, about 20 years old, I go to hear him preach. But man, I don't know that I've ever heard a preacher that had more insight in the book of Job than Brother Buster Seaton. He preached that night on soften to serve out of Job. I, I mean, man, I grew up on I grew up with sitting here, Brother Ed, the most powerful preacher I believe I'd ever heard in my life. And I knew what that felt like, that power of God. I knew what, Man, Brother, Brother Buster preached in the power of God. He sort of pulled back the curtain that night and let us sort of peek into some of the struggles that he battled. Here I am as a 20-year-old preacher, little Caleb, looking at that giant of a man. I mean, I can think right now of some messages. God will make this trial a blessing. I've wore that tape till it broke. Preaching the Holy Ghost, unction and power. Brother Watson, he reached back there and pulled that curtain back and showed us some of the scars and the wounds. I'll never forget, I went up there and told him after he got done preaching, he didn't know me from Adam's house yet. And I said, Brother Seaton, you don't know who I am. I said, I'm with Brother Willie right now. And I said, I listen to your tapes all the time. And I said, I just want you to know from a kid preacher just getting started. I said, you'll help me more tonight than you'll ever know. I said, some of the men that I've looked at, I thought had S's on their chest. And they had a blue uniform underneath their shirt. And they had a red cape that they never hurt. And they never, bullets just bounced off of them. But tonight, you let me see that it's all right. That I'm, I'm normal. Because if a man that can preach in the power of God like you can, can hurt like you hurt, then I can make it too. What kind of help do you need tonight? Would you be honest? Can I hear you say, Lord, feel like I'm in the dirt by myself? He'll help you. If you'll let him, we're going to stand. They're going to sing. Would you come tonight and let the Lord help you? Would you come? Tis so sweet, Tis so sweet. to trust in Jesus, just no, to take him at his word, just. 